Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on csncalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me today, one of my favorite guests, absolutely perfect for episode one of the King's Insider Podcast, Mr. Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, how are you? Well, I couldn't be better. You know, just uh, looking forward to the season. This is an interesting season, right? This is number 31 for you with the Sacramento Kings, and there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of uh, intrigue with this team. They've added a lot of new pieces. What are your first instincts with this team? How good can they be? Well, I'm certainly optimistic, and I really like the pieces that Vlade has uh, added. You know, I love the idea of more veterans. You know, we've talked about that in the past, you know, and I just you just don't win this league with a bunch of 20-year-olds. And, and so, you know, when you get some guys that have are proven winners different places, and, and the Kings have done that, then uh, I just think it's reason to add to the very gifted young players the Kings do have. Is there one player that sticks out to you that I think you think will have a bigger impact than the other guys? That's a great question. You know, I, you know, I think Rondo is it looks better than I expected him to look. I'm very, very pleased about that. You know, he, you know, and hopefully he'll have. I don't know if it's going to be a better impact than anybody thought, but I think it looks like it can be a very positive impact because he is a true playmaker. You know, on a team that needs a true playmaker and and can create baskets. Uh, Certainly, I like uh, Bellinelli. Is it looks like he's going to be what the doctor ordered with a guy who can really consistently score from the wing, and uh, I think Kufus is very underrated. You know, I, I was really thrilled when they got Costa Kufus because I've been a fan of his for a while. You know, and c- people kind of forget that he started on George Carl's team as a center with that won 57 games, and he was a key reserve on a Memphis team that won 56. And Unless I'm missing something here, that's uh, it's kind of nice to have those kind of proven kind of guys around. Yeah, this team, it has this feel where, sure, they could improve at certain positions. They could get better talent here and there. But really, they're deep. They're versatile. They can beat you in a lot of different ways. I mean, do you see any holes in this team? Other than just uh, having done it, you know, that's it. I mean, they, they, there's no reason they can't. Uh, there may be a reason they don't. Uh, that's yet to be proven. That's why they play 82. But I, I, I agree with what you said. I mean, this is a team that can play big. It can play small. Uh, cer- certainly can deal with an injury or two, which they're going to have. All teams do. And you can't use that as any kind of excuse. And, and George Carl has proven over the years that he's one of the more creative coaches, can uh, can win a lot of different ways, much like Rick Adelman was in the past. And, and so, uh, so, yeah, I, uh, there's – there's there's reason to believe this could be the surprise breakout team in the NBA. There's always one or two, and why not the Kings this year? You know, you mentioned the depth, and in previous years they had major issues with depth. I mean, when you lose Darren Collison last season, you've got to go with, you know, Ray McCallum, who has no experience, a second-round pick. You know, you have to make a deal to get Andre Miller, who's 39 years old. I mean, you're really grasping at straws. But this team feels like there's not going to be grasping at straws. They can withstand a prolonged injury, you know, a 15, 20-game injury, even if it were to Cousins or to, to Gay. I mean, you could make some adjustments and still keep rolling. Is that? Am I wrong in assuming that? I don't think you are. I mean, I, I think this team can win without any one player uh, for a while. I mean, obviously, Cousins being the player that he is, he'd be the hardest to replace. But for a short period of time, I think you could win ball games and compete with a Kufus or Willie Cauley-Stein playing center a lot of minutes. So, yeah, I, I think... You know, and then, of course, uh, Rudy being the second guy, well, there's, there's ways you can play around that. So uh, for the first time in a long time, 
I mean, it certainly the talent doesn't match up to the early 2000s. Uh, you know, I mean, we'd be foolish to, to go there. But uh, it's probably the most talented team, I think, since the Kings' last playoff team with uh, Bonzi Wells and Sharif and Bibby and those guys, that, that, and Kevin Martin, that team. When you look at some of the pieces that they had already here, Darren Collison stands out as a guy who is ready for a breakout season again. He, he really fits the style of play of George Carl. He, he may not start, but he can play the one, he can play the two. He's really good on that short porch three. How do you think he fits in this season? I think he really fits in this season. As you said, I mean, he's a guy, a real pro's pro. Uh, I think he fits George Carl's system great. And I think, uh, you know, maybe was set up to have his best year. And, uh, you know, certainly he's a guy I think has been underrated through for most of his career. So uh, I think just staying healthy is going to be the biggest key. I think that's been an issue somewhat for him over the years. Okay, so Willie Cauley-Stein, he came into camp, he's out of shape, he's winded, he can hardly run up and down the court. Uh, We know kind of the story there, but he's turning heads now. I mean, he's really athletic, and the thing that really stands out to me is I assume that, like many young big men, he was just going to get in foul trouble the whole time. But we haven't had foul trouble hardly at all. He's athletic, he swings for the fences. What are you seeing so far in him? You know, he to me, he is who we thought he was. You know, he's a guy who will protect the basket who will run the floor, who will try to defend every possession. Pretty darn good on the pick and roll at the NBA level right now. And a lot of people ask me, well, you know, he seems more ready to play in the NBA than a lot of guys who are so-called bigger stars. And my take on that is very simple, is he's doing exactly what he did at Kentucky for three years. I mean, he's not adjusting. He's just doing playing the same role he did with with a little better talent. And, I, and the key word is probably a little better talent. <laughs> I mean, he's been playing against NBA guys for three years every day in practice. And so his, as opposed to, say, somebody who's probably a star-type guy, like a D'Angelo Russell or something, it's more of an adjustment for guys like that who are used to being the stars, and they, they're not really stars yet for in the NBA. Now, in three years, may, things may look different. But, uh, but I think Willie Cauley-Stein's who this team needed, and that's who they got. You, you say that's who they needed. They, they passed on Moutier. Did you get to see film of Moutier, and do you think that they're going to regret letting him slide to uh, – the Michael Malone-led Denver Nuggets? Certainly may. Uh, he's pretty darn good. You know, he's pretty darn good. Uh, very much a kind of a Tyreek Evans-type player. Uh, you know, as a guy's going to fill the stat sheet. And, you know, people can say whatever they want about Tyreek or Moody, whatever you want to say, but they're, they're, pl- they're players in a league that uh, positions are less important and players are more important. And uh, so... Uh, yeah, I think it's possible, but but I also think that if uh, Rajon Rondo can can make the comeback that we're hoping for, then no, you won't, because he he wouldn't be able to beat out Rondo if Rondo is about 80% of Rondo. Do you think Rondo's a long-term fit here? He signed a one-year deal for roughly $10 million, $9.5 million, but he's a guy who needs to prove himself again to to get that one more giant contract. Do you think he can pull it all back together and get back to somewhat of the player he was before? I think he can, although I think by the 1st of December, we'll probably know. I mean, uh, you know, just what level he can, how close he can get to, because really, I mean, he was a great player in 2012, you know, and I mean, even with some of the offensive liabilities, but I mean, so, so that's what you're looking for, a guy who can, uh, defend about anybody who can rebound in a crowd for a small guard who can uh, even though he's not a good shooter and they give him a lot of space can still penetrate consistently now those are the things you, you'll have to be looking for and uh, but those those things will be answered within 15 games or so 
All right, so this team has gone through so many transformations. I mean, you've been around through uh, three ownership, four ownership groups, uh, through countless general managers. Vladi Divac was an interesting selection, and I know that outside he's taken a lot of ribbing for some of the moves that he's made. But on the inside, there's a really good positive vibe going with Vlade. What is it that you think Vlade can do, and what do you think he has done that's impressed you? Well, well, really, he's made uh, you know he's really showed some courage in some of the moves he's made, and I think to change the the team, which needed changed, you had to take some risks. Uh, you know, it's no different than what Jeff Petrie did uh, years ago, uh, about 1988-99, whatever it was, you know, to make some risky moves that weren't popular at the time, but turned out pretty darn good. And I think Vladi's done similar type things. You know, you traded away some guys to get cap space. You took some risks on guys. You know, Stauskas may turn out to be a really good player, but Bellinelli's a good player now. And so, you know, I mean, I think that the Kings fans and, and Vladi and the ownership wanted a, a team that could had a chance to win tomorrow. And I certainly feel that way. I've seen enough of the, uh, oh, let's build five-year plan, the so-called five-year plan, which we've talked about. When you, some, somebody talks to you about a five-year plan, they have no plan except to stay employed. That's, that's about it. <laughs> so I, I've really been impressed with Vladi. I, I'm not surprised in a sense because he's always been a natural leader. And that's what the position is called for. You've got to be a leader in that position. And I think he ex exhibits that. And, and, you know, he has good rapport with the players. Uh, you know, I, I mean, he's going to make tough decisions. He'll uh, go after guys. And uh, just exactly, you know, it was a gutsy hire by uh, Mr. Ronadive, I think. But I think it uh, certainly has it, it maybe been his best hire. Okay, so this is the last year of ARCO 2. Sleep Train Arena, Power Balance Pavilion. It's had quite a few names, but it has a lot of good memories. What are your favorite memories? What, what comes to mind when you think of this building specifically? I, I think probably for me it's, it's, it's not the teams as much as just so many of the different players that were, and not necessarily the star guys. You know, the guys are just neat guys to be around. You know, the Jimmy Lesses, the Spud Webbs, uh, like, you know, those kind of guys that were just neat to be around. Pete Chilcutts, I mean, Wayman Tisdale. Obviously, uh, I loved to watch Jay Will in practice. I would uh, pay money to watch Jay Will in practice. Uh, the, the gifts of Chris Weber, the great teammate that Vladi Divac was. I always said Peja Stojakovic, Mr. Automatic Spacing. When you, when, you, when you have a pager, you had spacing. <laughs> you didn't have to talk about it. You had it. So, you know, those kind of things, those silly things. It's, not, it's just the, the, the guys that were neat to be around and, you know, being on the, with the team all the time, whether it was a coach or front office or TV, you know, just being around guys that, that you really enjoyed being around. Are you going to steal anything from the building? Are you going to, like, unscrew a seat and take it with you? Or, or is it just it is what it is? You're going to... Just say goodbye to it that one last time, and hopefully it sticks around for a little while, but chances are they're going to tear that thing down and do something different. Yeah, I probably won't. I mean, I, you know, to me it's, it's always about memories, you know, and, I mean, it goes back when I was coaching small colleges. You still, you know you got your memories, and they can't take those away. And when those go away, you, you need to go away. So, <laughs> so it probably works out about right. Okay, so the new building, I'm sure you've got to see a little bit of the new building. What is it that you're excited to see in that new building? I just think this, uh, just the fact that it'll be one of the elite buildings in the league day one, if not the elite building. And, and you know, I mean, Sacramento's never had that. And no disrespect to, to sleep train, but even, even the first day of it, it was probably at the best in the middle of the pack 
of the of the arenas in the league. So you know, for Sacramento to have an elite building, uh, a, a focal point to re redevelop all of downtown, you know, I to me it's more it's more than about basketball, especially at my stage of life, because I know I won't work for the Kings all the time, you know, but I'll always be a Kings fan. And, and so, and, and I'm a fan of Sacramento, and I'd like to see them actually have a downtown they can be proud of, which they certainly do not right now. You are entering your 31st season. You've been on the broadcast for 20-plus years, right? What's going to be different for you this season? I know Doug Christie's going to be on a little bit. Uh, and how long do you think you're going to do this? Are you going to stick it out and be here for another 15 years? Great question. You know, I, I originally I'd, I'd said, uh, you know, in a perfect world, I'd like to do this year and be able to do one year in the new arena. Uh, obviously, I still enjoy it. If, if, in fact, I quit enjoying it, I would quit that very day, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, and then if my health is good, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, it, it, I'm an employee, as you are. You know, I mean, it's, it's a case where if... Uh, Comcast or the Kings don't want me more. They can tell me and say go away. And then, as an employee, I'm in the stage of life where I can tell them to go away too. Uh, so it worked. I'm lucky that way. So uh, I'll just play that by ear. You know, really though, if the fans, if I feel like the fans are tired of me, and and get as tired of me, sometimes I get tired of myself. Uh, you know, it'd probably be time to go. But you know, I, I mean, I really do think that I probably Grant and I probably do as good a broadcast if not better than we ever have I don't think we've I don't think we've lost anything and I, I selfishly I know we've been told that we're one of the better broadcast teams in the leagues for, for a long time now so you know so who knows when you look at the broadcast team you and Gary Gerald and Grant how proud are you guys that you've been together for so long and you've been able to sort of see the good times and the bad times and then some good times and then a lot more bad times. But you guys have been able to survive all of this time. Yeah, it does. I mean, I think you have to be able to, you know, obviously we have survived the bad times, but I think that, that even to do that, you have to find the good in that. And, uh, you know, you have to be a little bit optimistic to stay. Obviously, Gary and Grant are so gifted, you know, in, in everything they do. I, I'm just kind of a fill-in-the-gaps kind of guy. I'm a, I'm a, you know, like a like an eighth man or something. I'm a good role player, I hope. And, and uh, But those guys are the real pros. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's been – I've been blessed to be with them because they really, uh, you know, made my job easier. And I've, I've tried to make theirs easier. But, but they're, they're the talent. I'm just, you know, somebody that you plug in there. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is episode one of the Kings Insider podcast. It's great having you every time. I hope we get to hear your voice on those telecasts for another five, ten years, hopefully as long as you want to go. Well, I thank you for having me on the number one, and I hope I get to do number 100. There it is. Jerry Reynolds on the Kings Insider podcast. Welcome back to the second portion of... The Kings Insider Podcast brought to you by CSN, Comcast Sportsnet California, ComcastSportsBayArea.com. I am James Ham, and oh my gosh, joining me, we got the band back together. News team assemble, Aaron Bruski, how are you? I'm fired up, man. But I gotta say, it's kind of weird hearing that read. It's not the same. It's different. It's a little different, isn't it? But I'm but I'm very excited. It's been really hard the last three weeks. You know, I've been I've been having to go on other people's podcasts. I've been cheating on you. Yeah, oh no. You've been running around doing like a like the floozy that I am. Just willy nilly one podcast to the next. I have no I have, I have no standards. 
I just I just go on. I just go on any podcast I can get on, including my own. Oh, that's right. You know it's bad when you have to create your own podcast to get the fix. I thought Greg was going to steal me. Just just letting you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that can't happen. That can't happen. So, all right. So, let's just kind of go over some details here. This is the new CSN Kings Insider podcast. Uh, I, of course, am the CSN Kings Insider uh and i'm very excited about this it's it's awesome uh we kind of left things uh, a little unanswered at uh at cowbell uh we walked away we dropped the mic but we didn't really talk about it beforehand um that's kind of the nature of the business we couldn't really talk about what was going on i couldn't really talk about what was going on where i was going all of these things uh but super excited I love the podcast medium. I think it's excellent. I think it's a great way for you guys to get an, a lot of information, a lot of sort of, you know, on the ground stuff that we can't do in writing all the time and uh, a little bit of opinion to go with it. And, and I'm super excited that uh, we have a, a good relationship. NBC uh, has graciously allowed Aaron Bruski to join the podcast and, and CSN has said, yes, we can have Aaron Bruski and and their NBC, you know, relationship worked together. And so we're back. We're back. And Aaron, I couldn't be more excited. I, I heard there was some serious negotiations involved with that. There may there, have there been was a, a latte that changed hands. Maybe that and a donut, I, I think. <laughs> maybe two donuts. I don't know. No, but seriously, this is really good because I feel like over the last year, uh, we've been able to really uncover a lot of stories and, and lead the way on a lot of this stuff. And it's good because we can really pull back the curtain, let folks know what's going on. And in, in a time for Kings fans, it was really, really stressful. So I, I was proud of the work that we did over there, and I'm glad that we get to continue it. I am too. I think it's, again, it's a great medium. It, it's a great place for us to kind of spitball and go through a lot of a lot of different things that people aren't thinking about or maybe they thought about and they didn't really know what happened and they need a little bit more insight. So, so let's kind of hit the ground running, man. We've got... Let's do it. We've got the Sacramento Kings. They are four and one. And should we be betting the line here because the Kings are four and one, or is this uh, just preseason and you know don't get don't get too excited, folks? Well, full disclosure, I made not one but two trips to Reno, and I was able to secure my investment. Oh no! So. Oh yeah, always. It, bet it's on. On black. It was. It was on like Donkey Kong. So I, I definitely made the investment. Uh, Thirty-three was the number. Um, oh, okay. But as far as preseason goes, I don't know if if there's champagne being sprayed around the locker rooms inside Arco Arena. But I probably wouldn't look too much into it. I don't even know if they've looked that good, to be honest. Wait, I mean, in, there's no preseason talking, championship. <laughs> there might be, but, but I wouldn't it's a summer league joke. too it's much summer into league. it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's been, God, that seems like so long ago. That seems like five, ten years ago. Yeah, it was like, I don't know, 15 months ago when they were celebrating. Uh, they still take that seriously in the front office. I heard there was a lot of push, like, we got we to gotta do good in preseason. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think there's it's been a mixed performance out of the team. I, I, I kind of wish that they had more games. Um, I don't know if. Have they played as many games as everybody else? It seems like they haven't. At this point, they played way more than everybody else, and they finished really? their their preseason schedule on Saturday at uh, Rupp Arena 
in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, it should be a blast to watch if we could actually watch it, which we can't. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Willie Cauley-Stein, Rajon Rondo, all returning to their former stomping grounds, uh, taking on Anthony Davis. Um, you know, that's going to be a fun atmosphere. It coincides with the opening of the NCAA season and, uh, midnight madness. I I would love to have been there. It's just preseason really is difficult for travel and stuff like that. It just doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when it's not on TV, but four and one, I, I mean, I'm not saying it means everything, but I've been slightly impressed. I think they have some nice pieces. I think you can see their depth, their versatility, the fact that they're 10, maybe 11 deep, and this team actually has a chance to compete, but it's early. It's preseason. There's there's a lot of positive takeaways, and I think the negative takeaways are probably surrounding, I want to see more cohesion out of the, the regular rotation. We haven't really seen a regular rotation too much. I mean, there's been just the typical preseason mixing and matching and I think for a team that's really still learning how to play with each other you want to see that um but I I don't think you could get too picky in preseason with this stuff because guys shouldn't be playing heavy minutes but positively um you know I like uh let's see I like what I've seen out of Rondo I'm not overly impressed I'm not under any illusion that he's the player he was in Boston but I just like the fact that he seems to be in shape that he has um Really, he's fulfilling a need for the Kings that they've needed for years, which is passing. And that might be more important than his overall value as a player is just that one attribute that he can bring to the table. Darren Collison has looked awesome. Uh, Marco Bellinelli is basically himself, but I think what you're seeing is what he can do in an expanded role. But he's uh, only shooting, gotten... and he's only shooting 30% from behind the arc. Yeah, well, I mean... I mean, he can be small... better. Yeah, yeah, it's small sample size theater, but what you love to see about him is that he's still got his trademark confidence and he just looks sharp. And that's I, I think he can maybe up his you know minutes per game up to 25, 26, 27 and still be the efficient player that you want him to be. I mean, you probably don't want him playing more than that, but he looks good. Uh, Rudy has looked fairly good. DeMarcus, he's lingering too much around the perimeter, but hey, you know what? If you're going to do that, do it in the preseason. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein has looked good. Costa Kufos has looked superb. I mean, it, it's a lot of positives to take out of the preseason. Um, but it's, but again, I want to see how they all mix together when the games count. Yeah, I mean, the positive, I, I think you're, you've are you kind of hit the nail on most of those. Uh, I, I really, really like what Rondo brings. The thing about watching Rondo, watching him in preseason, watching him in uh, during training camp that I got to go to in San Diego, the cool thing is that he has a knack for, he does over dribble a little bit, but it's within the confines of the offense. It's within the shot clock that they're running, the 18 second or 15 second or 14 second shot clock that they're running. They keep knocking seconds off the shot clock. But he always seems to find a guy in perfect shooting position that is wide open. And when he doesn't find that guy, he pulls the guy aside and says, hey, look, this is why I didn't find you, because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And I I saw him do that with Ben McLemore, like, look, you have to read your defender. If he pops up to you on on the elbow, then you need to slide to the corner. If he slides to the corner to cut my baseline, then I need you to pop to the elbow. You know, he he has really good conversations with people where he's trying to teach. He's a coach on the floor. Uh, He couldn't go one day, and he was a coach 
on the bench, sitting there running up and down the sidelines, yelling and screaming at guys. Uh, he's a vocal, vocal leader. And I, I think the one thing, Aaron, that sticks out to me with him is we had this blow up in Dallas. And, and everyone knows some of the story in Dallas. But if you really break down what happened in Dallas, you have a guy that's very vocal. When I watch him, you know, trying to lead and all that stuff on, on the court, I see how how vocal and how much of a like a force he is to deal with. And you can't take that guy and drop him onto like the most seasoned veteran team of all time and think it's going to work out because it won't work out. You can't put him on a team mid-season and think, oh, you know, he'll fit in with guys who have played together for 10 years with him bossing them around. It's just not going to work. So I like the transition that he's able to start early in camp. He's able to work with these guys to so they know who's running the floor when he's in there. And that's the real takeaway I see from Rondo so far is his ability to lead and to direct the offense at a really high level. Yeah, you nailed it there because in Dallas, that's Dirk's locker room. You know, it's not Rondo's locker room. And I think Rondo has one gear, and that's the gear that you're seeing right now as he does the kind of player-coach routine. So in Sacramento, they need that leadership, and it fits rather well when the second-best player on the team, Rudy Gay, he has a good relationship with him. And DeMarcus Cousins, he has a good relationship with him. So that is actually going to be a good thing. And... You know, he's going to have his quirks. I mean, we've already seen him. We've seen uh, it. God, I swear. That was like one of the most beautiful and yet probably inadvisable things that I've seen in a while. <laughs> it's really brutal. Let's talk about that for a sec. We're going to sidebar here on the Rondo situation, and we're just going to talk about it really briefly. Uh, in case you missed it, um, Rondo decided to play with a young reporter um, he saw the uh, the green look. He he must have smelled like the fresh batteries in his newly purchased digital recorder and iPhone. Um, you know, whatever it was, Rondo decided to play with a reporter, and unfortunately for that reporter, uh, he was young and and green and didn't see the joke being played on him from Rondo which is what Rondo says is what Carl says at this point that it was just a joke but Rondo you know basically said him and George Carl have been fighting all week uh they've gotten a couple of fights they've had some issues and it's not going very well and it's it Aaron it set the world ablaze the Twitter world yeah. caught fire you know what that might actually be a good thing because Twitter and the the, the media at large has they're gonna. They've been waiting for these moments. They're just kind of hoping, and not in all cases, but a lot of them want to have their predictions pan out that the Kings are going to be this flaming dumpster fire. So when that came out, a lot of them took it and ran with it. So maybe this gets it out of their system a little bit. Maybe they know that they've got to maybe back off on a report and see how the next twenty four hours play out before they go in heavy on the Kings. But I mean, that's all. Minu- <clears throat> Pardon me. That's all minutia. I, I, in fairness to the reporter, his deadpan, like, I, I couldn't tell. Like, I, I know he does this in, in other places. I, I know now, you know, I, I don't follow the life of Rondo as closely as some others. And the folks in Boston, they, they were on top of it right off the bat. They, like, knew this act right from the beginning. But in fairness, I, I, that's, that's a hard one to know that he's joking. And he, he did such a good – I mean, this guy should – if there's a deadpan comedy act somewhere out there, he should join it because he's really good. Well, here's what I'm going to say. This, to me, okay, a couple of mistakes were made and, and those things happen. And we're not here to play the media police. I'm just going to say this. If 
you are a uh, a new a new reporter and you haven't been in the locker room very much and everyone starts there. Everyone, you know, uh, this is my sixth season walking into an NBA locker room. You have to understand that, like, reporting 101, is, you know, your your basic entry-level reporting class is to go talk to rookies and young players because they'll talk to anybody. And they're happy that you're coming over and talking to them. I mean... Uh, if I'm Eric Moreland, I, I'm ex- super excited that a reporter wants to talk to me, even though he had a really good game that night and a reporter should have been talking to Eric Moreland in that game. Um, or if I'm David Stockton, uh, or Duje Dugan, um, all of these guys that are sort of bottom they're they're at the end of the rotation. It, they may or may not make the team. You know, if you could have got Marshall Henderson before he got waived, Hey, that's, that's cool. He would have loved to have talked. That's where you start as a reporter. You start there, then you move up to the seasoned vets that have been in there for five or six years that are really good guys and everyone knows that they're easy to talk to. And and you sit there and you talk to them. If you're going to walk up to Rondo or or DeMarcus Cousins, those are, those are graduate school courses. You have to know exactly what you're walking into with those. And that's to me. That's one of the the real bummers in, in this situation is that not to say that someone shouldn't even walk up and talk to somebody, but you have to know the complexities of a player. You have to know that they are not going to treat you fairly when you're when you're brand new doing this. They're going to do things that are awkward and weird, and they can be doing it just to mess with you. Uh, but really, they do it because they can see that you're green. And they're not going to give you the time of day. And I was surprised Rondo talked as long as he did. I've talked to that guy plenty of times, and about eighty percent of the answer, the questions that you ask, get one word answers. So as soon I, as he started talking, I knew something was up. I thought I was thinking about this today, and I was thinking, does a, do the players do they owe reporters anything? You know, in, in terms of not doing something like that. And I thought about all the times that players get ripped by reporters. And it's a, re- a results-driven business. So to, to some degree, it's fair game. But I will say this. It's probably something that could have not happened and it would have been just fine. Like, uh, on, on, on one level, it does put that narrative back out into the middle. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure the Kings weren't thrilled that this narrative was back out there. Now, I'm sure they were all laughing their, their butts off in the plane. You know, listen, listen to me now on the NBC podcast saying butts instead of asses. Uh, they're just, you know, probably getting a good chuckle out of it. Who knows? It could be a good team building exercise at that rate. But in this circumstance, I don't know. Maybe maybe just pass on that until you guys, uh, you know, can get through the first 20 games. Because the media storm, it's coming if they struggle. And oh, it is. The question, yeah. the question will be how can they handle if they're if they're going to be bulletproof in Teflon, man, joke all day, you know, <laughs> you know, have as many different things come out of your your pressers as possible. But if it starts getting stressful at say six and fourteen, say there's six and fourteen or something crazy, which I don't expect to happen, you know, that media presence, the one that wants the Kings to not succeed, the one that's you know actively trying to move. DeMarcus Cousins to Los Angeles, per se, you know, that's the one you don't want jumping down people's throats and making it difficult for the team to focus. 
Of course, of course. All right, so we we beat this down a bit, and I, I want to move on again. Whatever mistake happened, we'll figure that one out way down the road. Uh, we may have another situation later in the season where Rajon Rondo says the exact same thing and actually means it. And then we'll have to figure out if someone is actually going to ask the follow-up question because that is going to be a million-dollar question. What happens when you ask the follow-up question to know me and Coach have been fighting all week? Because there, it's very possible that is going to happen at some point during I would, the season. I would like to interject one thing, though. Uh-oh. Rondo is, I think I called him like a top five storyline in the NBA heading into this year. And he is already paying that off. He is going to make this team so interesting. And, oh, yeah. and it's already a very interesting team. So that's why part of me kind of likes what he did, even though it might have been inadvisable. I, I like the way that it's kind of... Um, just throwing a little gasoline on this fire. Uh, I mean, face it, we want these guys to be interesting as well. And, you know, the more they kind of buck convention and, and laugh at this narrative that's surrounding them, I think it's actually better for the team. So that's my that's my two cents. And thank you, Rondo, for giving us something to talk about. There we go. There we go. All right, so let's get back to a couple of other players that, that have played extremely well. Um, you brought up Bellinelli. I, I agree, Bellinelli's been great. I didn't know he was such a mad chucker. And I also, I'm going to, this is like a really strange thing, but once, last season, once Darren Collison got hurt, the Kings didn't have a single player who could create off the dribble. Maybe Rudy Gay a little bit, but that's an issue when you can't create off the dribble. And I'm not talking about in the post. DeMarcus Cousins can create off the dribble in the post, but that's not what I'm talking about. I, what, I'm, what I mean is when you got like six seconds on a shot clock and someone throws you the ball and you're looking at it and your guy's on you and you've got to make a move and you got to do a follow-away jumper or something. The Kings don't have that guy. And all of a sudden they do. Bellinelli is that guy. He's not yeah, just a, a, a point-and-shoot guy. You nailed it because he's a guy that can literally take the smallest amount of space and make something of it. What he's really good at doing is coming off of a screen say right around the three point line and almost in a position where you're like, there's no way he's taking that shot. But then he does. And the, the guys in San Antonio is talking with them. We were watching the game and th- this is a total Bellinelli. Th- this is actually not out of character for him. They've seen this act forever. Um, and the thing with Bellinelli that really hasn't hit the, w- the wire is there's a couple sources of mine in San Antonio that said that the organization itself was conflicted and they wanted him to play more in the playoffs, but pop, and the powers that be gave the minutes to Manu Ginobili. Not, I mean, the, it's easy to say as like a lifetime achievement award. And it's also, you could say, well, Manu Ginobili's proven it over the years that he deserves minutes. But there was a good contingent in San Antonio that wanted him to play more. This could be peak Bellinelli. And certainly seeing him the way he's played in the preseason, I think, you know, that's what I'm personally looking forward to out of him. Three seasons of Bellinelli. I think I can deal with it. He, he's fun. He, he talks, uh, he's very interesting and engaging to talk to very thick Italian accent. Uh, he can really shoot it. He, he, again, he creates, I, I think he's a good fit and I think he's going to play major minutes, which leads me to the guy that honestly has struggled. And I'm kind of concerned about where he belongs on this team right now. And that has been Macklemore. McLemore mm-hmm. had such a breakout season. Well, I mean, such an improved season last year. Not a breakout season. He wasn't quite 12 points a game isn't breakout. 
but I think I was expecting him to take a huge leap and and be like a 15-point-a-game guy this season that could really defend and super quick and, you know, def, you know make some, some highlight reel dunks. And, man, he's just lost. He's lost with all of these new players. And all of a sudden, Darren Collison is playing like a genius, and he plays off the ball so well. I mean, he played off the ball with Chris Paul so well with the Clippers. He can really shoot that corner three. You're looking at him and saying, uh, between him and Bellinelli, are there going to be minutes for Ben McLemore? Or is he going to come in? If he does start, it'll be for five minutes, and then he goes to the bench. You know, where are we at? You can see it in George Carl's eyes. He He's going to have a hard time taking Darren Collison off the floor. I think he'll play the most minutes out of all four guards, and and that's great news for Kings fans. He'll play 30 um, minutes it, tonight. Yeah, I agree. Right. And, and Rondo... What we'll see with Rondo is if he really starts, if defenses start sagging off him to the point where it really hurts the offense, I think you could see his minutes dip underneath 30. But Ben McLemore, I mean, everybody's certainly within their right to think that there could be trouble here. But I will say this, if there was ever a situation where a player in his case could struggle in a preseason, it's when you've got all these new pieces, basically a new coach, you know, a little bit of craziness surrounding the team. I think that He's also a guy that will press, so it's kind of a perfect storm for him to struggle coming out the gate. I'm not going to write him off, uh, you know, for projection purposes or just, you know, kind of the, the prediction that I'll have about his season. So I think, though, what, what, he, will, what he will benefit from the most is playing next to uh, Rondo and Collison because I think they're going to get him some good looks. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I, I feel for the kid because he's such a hard worker. You know, he's almost a guy you almost want to say, hey, you know what? Go take two weeks off. You know, don't touch a basketball. Come back, get your head right, and then, you know, play play your mind out and don't worry about the consequences. Okay, I'm going to say two things. Number one, I think that if Rondo and Collison decide to get him involved early in games, that he can succeed. So far, they have not done that. When the Kings have done that in the past, we saw it last year, I think it was against Houston. He went off for 30-something. Um, he had 20 in the first half, something like that. He has, if you can get him involved he can really spark and go. If you leave him out, then he starts to wander, and he wanders on the offensive end, he wanders on the on the defensive end. The other thing that I'll say about Ben, and I really like Ben, he, he is a very, very nice young man, and he is the hardest worker you're ever going to run into. The Kings rave about him behind the scenes. They can't talk highly enough about how hard that he works. You see him come in, he's just ripped. But I also see him come in... And, you know, his first year, he was number 16. And then his second offseason, oh, Marcus Horton got traded. I got to be number 23. And it was like a big deal. And the Kings were like, can you just focus on basketball and not worry about being number 23? It's not that big of a deal. We'll figure it out in the offseason, you know. And so this year, he comes in, and he's no longer Ben McLemore. He's Ben McLemore third. And now it's like, oh, okay, we got... What's going on with the three on the back? And, oh, yeah, it's a new season. Um, you know, it's my third season. I'm actually Ben McLemore the third. And it's like, okay, we didn't really know that, but that's okay. And, you know, I got a new hairstyle. It's it's a new season. I want to change it up a bit. At some point, don't you just have to worry about, like, being better at basketball? And I, You know what the best I, – I read you loud and clear, and I think with, with George Carl, I mean, he he's forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know. But 
if I had my say, I would almost just pull back expectations and say, hey, you know what? Don't worry about the beginning of the first third of this season. We, what we want to do is is get you integrated into this team. We've got a lot of moving pieces. We've got a lot of new faces. We're going to have some of these veteran guys carry the load early, and then we're going to bring you through the system. So don't press. You know, Just come out, focus on defense, focus on being aggressive and getting good looks when, when it's there, but really p- peeling back the expectations because he's got to be feeling the pressure as a you know, mid-level lottery pick and really hasn't panned out, and you know he's pressing. So that, to me, makes a lot of sense. Let, I, let Marco okay Bellinelli... Pressing. I'm okay with pressing. I'm not okay with trying to build your brand like your brand will be built by the way you play like worry about your brand later when you're a star you don't worry about your brand when you're coming up you worry about your brand and that you don't do anything stupid or say anything stupid that's a good way to you know mess up your brand to go get arrested or something and of course Ben McLemore is not that guy but you know what I'm saying like stop worrying about that stuff start worrying about understanding the offensive scheme understanding how to play aggressively on the defensive end in George Carl's system without getting torched for 20 points tonight. Those are things that he, and he got a 30 game trial with, with George Carl last year. And he started 82 games in his second season. He's almost started as many games in his career as Marco Bellinelli has. I don't know if Darren Ravel would agree with your, your branding approach. Really? Well, yeah. Yeah. Darren Ravel is good at branding. <laughs> 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 all right so let's you know what i want to talk about i want to, yeah. I, you, you we cannot not talk about the front court i i have things to say about the front court you have things to say i i am ready for your things to say I, before you talk about front are you going to talk about wings or just front court just front court okay then i'm gonna i'm gonna make a quick thing here omri caspi um i talked to omri this last week and uh he's struggling with a little knee issue and the Kings have, from day one of training camp with him, they noticed that he led the entire Eurobasket tournament in minutes, that he played a ton of minutes and was relied heavily on by uh, the Israeli national team. And so they are taking him along pretty slow. And now he's got a little knee flare up. So don't be horribly shocked if he's not playing like this weekend the kings are not worried about preseason with omri caspi uh so i'm just going to give that disclaimer they're also not worried about rudy gay because he's incredible and everyone loves to watch him play so don't worry about those two um now get to your now get to your front court i'm ready well i i just want to put it out there before anybody else does and i I tweeted something to this effect i really think this can be the best defensive front court in the nba and and i and i welcome anybody to come say you know who they think might be better but the the versatility and just knowing what we've seen out of Willie Cauley Stein, like this is the worst that Willie Cauley Stein will ever play in his career, and it's already pretty good. And Costa Kufos has looked incredible, and I mean, they're going to be tough to get shots up at the rim. I yeah, mean, Demarcus Cousins is a great, you know, he he likes to take charges more than protect the rim, but he can still get up there and and protect the rim as well. I just don't see how teams are going to play inside. That to me might be the like the saving the the stabilizing factor, you know, as we count up to thirty three in my case, you know, the thing <laughs> that will be there every night, you know, is going to be that defensive presence. So I wanted to get that out there, you know, stat because I think what we'll see is these guys are going to do real well in on the interior 
regardless of what's going on around them on the perimeter. And that will be the thing people are talking about in 20 games. You know, there it is. We're going to talk about the road to 33 every single week on the CSN <laughs> Kings Insider Podcast. The road let, we let to them, 33. Hopefully they, get to 30, hopefully they get to 33 quickly so people don't have to listen to that. <laughs> yeah, so you're not stressing out about it. No, we'll just keep going. with The road to 33. We're at 47. We have crushed the road to 33. Uh, yeah, you know, you talk about the defensive presence of the front court. Um, I, I think it's it's like stunning how much they were able to improve with the addition of two players. And you know, when you when you have to go deep and you got Quincy Acey coming in who plays the game so incredibly hard. And, I mean, the, he is the last guy in the league you want to get your hand in front of the rim when he decides to dunk. He will snap your wrist off and like leave it hanging in the in the net. And so I really like what you're talking about. So when teams, you you talked about Cousins liking to take charges more than he likes to rim protect. But if you're trying to traipse around Cousins, who's trying to trying to draw an offensive foul, and you got Willie Cauley Stein like jumping out of the gym trying to swap balls, it changes the whole dynamic. And they've, you know, they've already been doing that. Yeah, and when you've got like a super big front line, the Kings are going to start Kufos and Cousins. If you've got a super athletic front line, they're going to start Kufos. I mean, they're going to start Cousins and Cauley Stein. If you've got like uh, a crazy three-point shooting lineup, I think they're going to start Cousins and Rudy Gay. George Carl talked about this at practice. Um, it was really kind of buried with all of the Rondo news. Uh, but he talked about the fact that both the two and the four would be a position that he may switch up all season long. That he may play the matchups night in and night out. And of course, you know, that could be DeMarcus Cousins playing there. It could be a, a whole bunch of players playing at the four because this Kings team is so incredibly versatile. And you brought up Kufos, uh, 2K is what they call him. And man, he is. He looks real good. He looks really good. He's so well put together. He's such a huge, like, he's in such great shape. He takes care of himself. And he's young, he, seventh year in the league, and he's 26 years old. He yeah, really he's has. He's also peaking offensively, and that's yeah. going to go under the radar for a little bit. And that's why I love him coming off the bench in your base lineup. And, yeah, you can slide him into the uh, the five spot to start against a big team. But the Kings now have an interior post presence at all times, and that is so valuable. Teams will not be able to play them small very often. You know, because they'll get murdered underneath. And if 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 they want to go small, you can always stick Willie Cauley Stein at the four, and he's going to neutralize most fours. But you so, can put him at the five if you're going against a small team. And you know, this is something Carl talked about this week as well. He's like, I, I think he's like, we haven't really looked at this this setup before. So basically, all through preseason, all through training camp, they hadn't played Rondo and Collison together. They had gone with. Uh, those guys opposing each other at all the practices. They wanted two true point guards playing against each other. They, they never really gave it a shot. And, of course, the Kings have like 10 days after their final game before they have a regular season game. So they have all this practice time. I'm sure we're going to see more of that. But my point was that Carl talked about how he could see when the Kings fall behind a lineup of Rondo, Collison, and Bellinelli at the 1-2-3. At the and really pushing the tempo, having shooters all over the place. And then you could see Rudy Gay at the four and Cauley Stein at the five and just go super, super athletic and fast and long. 
I mean, this team has so many different options that they can run at you. And that's just one that we haven't even seen. We haven't seen that lineup on the court together. I, I'd be I'd be intrigued to watch that. I would watch that a lot if it was, you and know. Conversely, happening. you can run Willie Cauley-Stein if you wanted to be crazy. You could run Willie Cauley-Stein at the three and Cousins at the four and, Custo- and Kufos at the five. Now, yes, we know that the shooting is a problem, but defensively, you could pretty much control the entire glass and then some, and, and you could approach it from that route. Now, I don't know if you'd ever do that, but Willie, Willie Cauley-Stein is that Draymond Green piece that makes it all work, and that, I think it's going to be phenomenal watching him because he's also kind of like a, a baby deer out there. There was a play in his first game where Rudy Gay literally grabbed him and threw him into his assignment because he just didn't know where to go. And uh, he, he's still going to get pushed around for rebounds. That That's going to be a big problem for him. He's really light in the trunk, and that'll just take a while for him to get used to. Um, he's been doing he's a good job get, on the rebounding side, though. I mean, he's averaging yeah, like he, six and a half boards a game. Where you worry is in like, say, you know, Memphis, Zach Randolph is just going to throw him around. Oh, of course, uh, of course. Stuff like that. But again, this is his first year. I think my original expectation, 24 to 29 minutes a game is right where he he will be. Um, but it's going to be really fun to watch. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how George Carl plays with all these pieces. And looking up and down the NBA, I just don't know outside of like the San Antonio Spurs in terms of just pure versatility where a coach can literally be a chemist, that, that there are teams out there. I don't know that there there are that many teams with this level of versatility. Yeah, I think it's just going to really depend on how long the chemistry takes to build. And they are getting along really well right now. They are playing well together. I, I'm not going to say they're playing incredible together. I do know that they're in plenty. There are plenty of games in this four and four and one season preseason where you've watched a couple of guys who you know the other team is going 15 deep and the. And the Kings are still in their rotation. They're still, you know, going 10 deep and maybe throwing a starter at you. So I think, again, it's that's what the Kings have to do, though. They have so many new pieces. I mean, we're talking about eight guys. Eight guys are going to make this roster at least. I mean, let's keep it real. They're They're sloppy. Like right now, they're sloppy. Yeah, but they got their turnovers down the last two games. I mean, I think, what is it, 13 and 11, something like that. They started out wild and sloppy and crazy. Uh, and you know, again, they, they didn't play that well against the Lakers. They, they put the pedal down pretty early on the, on the Lakers. So, I mean, that was a pretty, I guess that was pretty dominant performance. I, I did like what I saw though. Things like, uh, the way that they ran transition, just little things, you know, why they could be completely sloppy and they could miss a defensive assignment, but you're just looking for key things. Like how do they run the break? There's a couple fast breaks that Rondo was running that were just, I mean, he was like vintage Rondo running yeah. the break and, um, that's a question that folks have had. Is he going to pound the ball, you know, the air out of the ball? Is he, um, you know, capable of doing that, that the high pace game that George Carl wants? I think he answered that question in the preseason. He's shown plenty of times where the old Rondo's there, and you're like, ooh, there was a, a third quarter against uh, San Antonio where he was just, just a magician. You're like, whoa, look at that. And you come out of the quarter, and his stats look good, but I think Collison's, again, look better. Uh, just because Collison was on the receiving end on some of his passes. But really, it's it's one of those things where watching him work, he has such a crazy knack for finding open people uh, and, and creating the lanes and, and 
creating, collapsing the defense and making people open. It's to me, he's fun to watch. It's something that we haven't seen in Sacramento in, I don't know, maybe Jason Williams did it. And when the Kings were Vlade Divac and Chris Weber, they had that, that spacing. But like Jerry Reynolds talked about in the first half of the podcast, uh, you had an instant spacer in, in Peja Stoyakovic. I mean, you had to guard Peja from 25 feet out and you knew you had to. And so he really opened up lanes the right way. I don't think you've seen this type of passer in Sacramento. Uh, maybe not ever. Maybe not ever. I don't think they've had a guy who could legitimately average uh, nine or ten assists a game. Yeah, I mean, and and the Marco Bellinelli pickup. I mean, we talked about it earlier, but the, the gravity he's going to bring on the perimeter, even if he's cold, and he's going to go cold. I mean, he had a fifty-five percent stretch from three-point territory. Uh, was it last year? I think for the first like 30, 40 games. And on the other end of that was a 30 percenter, you know, and it, it was pretty ugly. But the the defense still re- will respect him. They don't care that he's not hitting his three-pointers. They're going to get out there and cover him. So that one little element is going to be uh, interesting. And then I just want to see DeMarcus. I want to see him get into a rhythm, and it's not going to happen in a game at Kentucky, though. He'll probably go huge. Um, yeah, yeah. It's hard to see them playing that game super hard. I mean, New Orleans has already just lost Norris Cole to uh, a high ankle sprain. They're paper thin. They've already got problems at center. I could see that game being lightly contested in more of kind of an all-star atmosphere. Yeah, but I, I want to so see too. Cousins get on the. I want to see him get on the block and bang some people around. If he wants to play in the perimeter, fine. But the meat and potatoes, I, th- I that will be the one thing that will frustrate me watching the Kings is if they don't let him go to work down there. Yeah, if Cousins is shooting 42% at the like mid-December, the Kings are in trouble. Yeah, yeah. he needs to not shoot. I mean, he can shoot three three-pointers a game. I don't care. But he also needs to go in the post and score, you know, I don't know, 16, 16 points a game in the post. He, he needs to be drawing 10 foul, or 10 foul attempts a game. Yep. He, he had 9.3, I think, last year. And Shaquille O'Neal is, like I think, the last player to get 10 a game. He's in that category, especially as the league downsizes. He needs to get down there and make them pay. Yep. All right, so we don't want to drag this out all night. We do have uh, all day, sorry. Uh, We do have a couple more things I want to talk about. Uh, Number one, um, Willie Cauley-Stein is in great shape now. He was not when he came into camp, and he's moved past that. Uh, You know, you and I talked on the Cosm Brew show about him playing, like I predicted, like 14, 16 minutes a game. That's not going to happen now. Uh, I don't think he's going to hit 29 minutes, but I certainly think he's going to play 20 to 24 minutes early in the season and, and build from there. I also think that my concerns about his his fouls, um, so far, so good. He really seems, although he plays, sli- it looks slightly out of control and he's swinging for balls, he's a really, really interesting rim protector. And uh, I kind of look at, it, like him and what John Henson does, where he really def, you know distracts the the people around him, and uh, I, I think he's got like elite shot blocking ability, yes, uh, but he also has an ability to stay on the floor, which I was slightly surprised about. Um, you know, and, and lastly, I, you know, this is kind of a sad thing that's happened in the NBA this week, and uh, I, you know, the Lamar Odom situation. It really speaks volumes about a couple of things. Number one, how crazy life is uh, after basketball and how things can go sideways so quickly for these guys. It 
you know, once you're out of a controlled system, he as a young player, he had some, you know, some flare-ups with uh, with drug issues, and to see him, you know, really, really fall on hard times now, and, and you know, uh, who knows if he'll even make it, uh, is is really, really a sad thing to see happen. Uh, he's not that old, and, and again, this is kind of a lot of guys go through stuff like this. I, I think I read a stat one time, 65% of all NBA players are bankrupt within four years of retiring. And uh, that that's not the case with him, of course, because he married a Kardashian. Um, but, you know, sort of the pressures of leaving the game and what happens next isn't easy for this, these guys. And, and it's, uh, it's really sad what's happened to Lamar Odom. Yeah, the uh, I was watching a special on HBO. I forget the name of it, but they brought in uh, army guys, uh, you know, Navy SEAL types that have been in high stress, high impact situations, and athletes that you know they play like in football. They play in front of thousands of people in a gladiator like sport, and it's very intense. And basketball is right up there with it. It's all very intense, and there's camaraderie with your teammates. It's like a big old family. And when these guys get out of that environment they get depressed. Yeah. Like they, they run tests on, you know, large populations of athletes and they get depressed. So there's more to it than even just the kind of the financial aspect. Um, it, it's just the, the dopamine rush literally is so great of being an athlete that once you don't have that anymore, you can really suffer. So you're, if you're predisposed to issues or have major issues going on in your life, you're going to have another issue with that walking away part. So it's been a tough week. I mean, it's really, there's been times where I've been, you know, like thankful for seeing jokes on Twitter and, you know, just kind of like the distraction of it because he's really impacted a lot of people in this league. And so that's been really hanging over everybody's hearts. So thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family and hope everybody can just kind of rally around him and everybody just support uh, the family and everybody that's going through that as best as possible without a circus. Um, and then to your point on Willie Cauley-Stein, one more thing on him. He is going to be a great quote in this league. <laughs> He's another really interesting cat. And, uh, you know, you just kind of enjoy listening to him speak because he's very honest and forthcoming and really cerebral. It's like he's taking you through his thought process as he's talking, which is great. Yeah, he got in a little trouble for that uh, when he when he was talking to me about being so out of shape and how He'll never let that happen again and how he's going to do training camp before training camp. And uh, he got in a little trouble for that. Like, like, look, man, you, you know, because it's, it's what we do. Like, I'm on the ground. I get a, a, a guy to, to open up and say something to me that was honest and, and forthcoming. And so I, you know, I write it as part of, like, my camp notes that Willie Cauley-Stein catches his wind and next thing you know, they've taken the quotes. Other people take the quotes. It's the it's the world of media that we live in now. They take that quote, and you know, basically, Willie Cauley Stein now is you know a three hundred pound ogre who who is you know he can't walk up and down the court, um, and people just sensationalize everything. And, you know, really the nuts and bolts of it is that he did make a mistake. He did come into camp out of shape and he's gotten better and he, he did get his wind. And uh, the one thing I like, he, he said that Kings fans are going to love to watch him hydroplane, hydroplane up and down the court. And it was like, huh, all right, that's, that, know, rookie, that's a good rookie's visual. Been making, rookie's been making these mistakes forever. 
Oh, there's just this thing called Twitter that puts all these mistakes out into the public eye. And that's that's all this is. And I, I don't think there's really a whole lot to worry about with this guy. I think he's having a fun time playing the game. I think he's going to enjoy it even more as he learns how much he's actually capable of on the court. And it's going to be interesting to watch the, the old Kentucky Sacramento Kings. Yeah, the development of Willie Cauley-Stein is going to be a joy to watch. He is going to be fun to watch. He is a an, an exciting defensive specialist uh, that will make have some highlight reel dunks. Even watching cool. him finish, uh, you know, he he's finished off the dribble a couple of times. Like, okay, maybe maybe he's got more skill than we think he does. I think offensively at this age, I talked to Olden Polonese at camp. He put him so far ahead of DeAndre Jordan, both both on the offensive and defensive side, so far ahead of DeAndre Jordan at this same point in their career. So it's not even a comparison. Not even a comparison. So if you can have DeAndre Jordan-type play out of him, I I think the Kings' front line is going to be okay for the next couple of years. We need to do final thoughts before I forget mine. Final thoughts. Aaron Bruski, what is your final thoughts on the CSN Kings Insider Podcast? I want to give a huge shout-out. To Danny, I believe it's Williamson in the UK. Oh, Did yeah. I get that right? The UK Kings fan? It's the, Williams or Williamson. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I know who Danny is. This man, he, he, he was really broken up because the podcast wasn't there for a couple weeks. But this man listens to us as he takes a bath every week. Oh, that's that, right. That is special stuff. So, Danny, we want to thank you for your support and keep taking those baths, man. Danny Williamson, Sacto underscore King underscore underscore UK. Take those baths. All right, my final thoughts. Uh, never too high, never too low. To quote the great the great Jim Cozumore, my my new uh, CSN mate. Never too high, never too low. Kings fans, four and one is intriguing. Uh, but you haven't won a regular season game yet, and the early season schedule is brutal. Uh, let's let this team gel and find their way before we start anointing them anything. Um, but this is definitely a season to watch with Sacramento Kings basketball. And uh, I'm going to segue. You can do all that watching on CSN California. Uh, and you can follow me and Aaron, uh, of course, Aaron at NBC Sports. And uh, you can find me at csnbayarea.com where I will be giving you all your Kings inside news for this season. So for Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. A big shout out to the great Jerry Reynolds for the first half of the podcast. I'm very happy to be back. You've been listening to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. We'll see you next week. 